Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in as we begin 2019. We're going to look at our word for the year, which is manifestation. I hope this podcast and this message specifically speaks to you. I hope you're encouraged, and I hope you do something great for the things of God. Enjoy. I'm understanding the importance, the significance of the name. Why do we study and are looking at the names of God? Because to understand his name, we can further trust in him. By understanding his name, we gain the characteristics of God, the nature of God. So we're just diving right on in. Psalm 910 and recapper and a refresher. It says, and those who know your name put their trust in you, O Lord. They have not forsaken there. You have not forsaken those who seek you. Another scripture in establishing the names of God and why we need to know his names. But the people who know their God shall stand firm. And I like this part and take action. You see, the thing about knowing God is it means we can understand our role and our place and understand that we can take action in certain circumstances in our lives. The name of the Lord, it's a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. There's safety in knowing the name of God. And if you remember last week, we looked at the first name, Jehovah Heals. Jehovah Rophi or Rafi or however you want to say that. And we discovered in Exodus 15 where God said in verse 26 to the Egyptians, I am the Lord your God, the healer. We discovered through that that we can find healing found through Jesus. And everywhere that Jesus went, he was healing. And healing is still for today. Do you see how quickly I'm getting through these? And then we discovered that he is Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. Jesus, we discovered, being our provision. And we looked at how God provided miraculously when Abraham was told to take his son up to sacrifice him before God. And in the very last moment, God provided in place of his son. We discovered the significance in that in stopping and knowing the voice of God so we can be obedient to the voice of God. And that was pretty powerful in that moment. And then we looked at the, I believe we got to the very last one that we looked at was Jehovah Sid Canoe. No, I think we, did we get Sid Canoe or McKedish? Well, I'll find out in my notes. Uh, Jehovah, our righteousness. Yeah, Jehovah, our righteousness, and we discovered that we are not righteous, no, not one of us, but Jesus Christ has made us righteous, so we can enter into the presence of God based on the righteousness that Jesus has given us, which is powerful and significant. Look at all these notes. Yes, so we, we, I introduced the name Jehovah Makedesh, but I did not talk about Jehovah, Jehovah who sanctifies. Jehovah who sanctifies. So we're going to pick up right here in Leviticus 20. Leviticus 20. There will not be on the screen, so you'll have to turn there if you want to follow along. Leviticus 20. Just the verses 1 through 8 in Leviticus 20. And it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, Anyone 
of the people of Israel, of your strangers, of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against the man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do not do it all, close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and I will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. And I, if a person turns to mediums and uh, some weird word, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person. I will cut him off from among his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. It says, consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. In verse 8, it says, keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Leviticus is a book of life, actually. It's one that we sometimes overlook in the Old Testament. It explains the walk and the worship of the people who are already redeemed. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound maybe like us, the the worship of those who are already redeemed? Of course, they're in the context before Jesus. We're in the context after Jesus and what he's done for us. But here the name Jehovah Makedesh is used seven times in three scriptures. Seven times in three scriptures. Now, let's look at this word sanctify. It appears 700 times throughout the Bible. That's a significant number of times, right? So do you think sanctification is important? Yes? Okay. So the the word primarily means to set apart or separate. So let's simplify. Because I think sometimes when we get into the church circle, we use words that are churchy. Sanctify might be one of those. Uh, But it is significant to understand that God has called us as his people to be set apart. The word also could be used as holy, hallow, often used for sanctify. Um, Again, set apart to God. Examples. Let's look at some examples in the the scriptures where um, people are set apart primarily by their contact with God. So there's a contact with God that separates them. Genesis 2, 3 it's the very first mention of the sanctifying power, and it's, it's where God declares that the seventh day is sacred. The seventh day is sacred. So God, in Genesis 2, 3, blessed the seventh day and made it holy. There's that word. Because on it, God rested from his work that he had done in creation. He sanctifies various forms, or in various times, sorry. He sanctifies in various times, and for in, and in various seasons. We see this through Leviticus in uh, chapters 23, also in 25, where he sanctifies the feasts and Passover and Jubilee. Jubilee is a Jewish, um, really, freedom time every 50th year where slaves are set free, uh, crops aren't actually harvested during that time. It's a pretty powerful time, but we can see here through those times that God sanctifies seasons and times he sanctifies places and things that's why we uh, do things like uh, go to places of business and pray over them and anoint them with oil it's why um, when people I've done this before people build homes and we go into those homes well it's just um, 
framed up before drywall goes in, and we write scriptures on all the, the studs, and we pray over that home. It's part of a process of sanctifying or set a, setting that property aside for the work of God. And we see a precedent for that in Joshua 6.19. It says, But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. And then in Leviticus 27.14, it says, When a man dedicates his house, here's that precedent here, as a holy gift to the Lord, the priest shall value it as either good or bad, as the priest values it, so it shall stand. And then so we've got God sanctifying time or season, sanctifying places and things, but he also sanctifies people. He sanctifies people. Thank God for lots of water. Leviticus 20, 26, it says, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from among the people. You should be mine. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in my mother's, or in your, not his mother's, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I anointed you as a prophet to the nation. Speaking to the prophet there. In Exodus 13.2, it says, consecrate to me the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and beast, is mine. See, Jehovah Makedesh is a is sanctified also. He is apart from and holy above all else in the universe. He's separated from everything else. Not removed, but is separated. Deuteronomy 4.35 says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God, and there is no one besides Him. There is no one besides God. He is the only one, and He is above all else. 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. You want to learn how to praise God and worship him? Learn to declare who he is. And first and foremost, he is holy. And second, there is none like him. If you don't know what else to say when you go to him in prayer, when you go to him in worship, you can tell him and you can, for your sake, remind yourself through telling him, God, you are holy. You are the only one like you. There is none like you. And Isaiah 44, 6 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, to his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And then thankfully for us in this place today, Jesus Christ, he sanctifies, but he is also sanctified. Hebrews 4.15, got to put the teen in the right place. 4.15 tells us very, very clearly, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Listen to this. Listen to these words. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Did you catch that? We have a redeemer, a high priest, who has been tempted in every way that we are. And these key three words, yet without sin. Yet without sin. And it goes on to say in Hebrews, in chapter 7, verse 26, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. We 
are sanctified on the basis of our redemption in Christ. Listen to this. If there was no redemption, there'd be no sanctification. We are sanctified because we needed to be. We are sanctified. We are separated. We are made right only because of a redeemer, only because of redemption. Second Timothy 1, 8, 9 says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And going back to Hebrews, one of quickly becoming one of my favorite books. I love Romans, but Hebrews is quickly uh, becoming amazing to me. And it says, Hebrews 10.10, and by the way, we have been sanctified, listen, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. I love that, once and for all. Not continue well it is continually but it's like it was done it's done once and for all we're sanctified through the word of his truth john 17 17 says sanctify them in truth your word is truth as you set me in the world so i have set them into the world and for their sake i consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth We're also sanctified through discipline. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And then we find this sanctification through personal discipline he disciplines us but we also have some personal work and psalm 139 23 says search me O god and know my heart try me and know my thoughts moving to romans 12 1 through 2 says i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect. One of the things I love about this sanctification process that happens in this by the renewing of our mind. You, have, you discovered, have you discovered that as you dive into the things of God, as you find yourself pursuing more of him, that part of your thought process just changes? It's like you didn't set out for it, but it just changes. You don't think the negative thoughts that you used to think. You might not even use the same language that you used to use. Uh, you find yourself... Um, even using um, more gentle language. You're not as harsh. Have you discovered maybe some of that about yourself? I love it because the sanctification process, yes, I've got a work to do, but most of the work is falling on him as he is Jehovah Makedesh. You see, God demands holiness, and we cannot be holy in and of ourselves. So how can we meet this demand? He is our Jehovah Makedesh. He is the one who sanctifies us. It begins with our salvation and it continues daily as we live for him. I think it's fair to say that we live in a time, in a place where there's turmoil. There's stress. 
Finances can get the best of us. Sickness can get the best of us. Politics, holy cow, right, can get the best of us. And I love, 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 love this next attribute of God. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah is our peace. As a matter of fact, I think that oftentimes we discover through worship and even in this room now, as, as I felt like even as I mentioned the name Jehovah Shalom, I, I even sense just a peace of God in this room, this presence of God that permeates this place and it is surrounded by peace. And I think oftentimes as we enter into times of worship and encounter with the presence of God, we have a tendency to, to go almost stoic in our faces and, and almost sometimes even sleepy and not tired or bored, but this sleepiness occurs in us because we find this peace of God where the cares of the world no longer uh, plague our minds, no longer uh, terrorize our thoughts. I think those are fair words to use. And I want to encourage you as I begin to teach on this next name, that as you struggle with the turmoil of the world, and maybe you lay there in bed at night and you can't shut your brain down, or or you can't quit stressing over the, the things that have to be done, and worry sets in. Maybe you ought to encounter together as a family, or even personally, some times of worship before bedtime. Maybe as the children are are being absolutely fill in the blank, and, and you don't know what to do, what if you did figure out a way to, as a family, worship this Jehovah Shalom together, um, oftentimes before bed? And I bet you'd find that there's this peace that enters your home, making bedtimes much more easily attainable. Just, just a thought process for that. I know there have been times in our home when, when hell has made its way into bedtime, and, and there have been times when I've just grabbed, now you don't have the luxury probably of grabbing a guitar, but I've grabbed my guitar and we've sat in, our, in the room and we've just worshipped as a family. Now, you can pull up YouTube, um, you can pull up Pandora or Spotify or whatever tool you want to use and just listen and worship together as a family, but I bet you you'll find a way for the peace of God to permeate your home and it will make a difference. But let's get some understanding about Jehovah Shalom, shall we, together? Let's look at Judges. Judges 21, 25. So Jehovah Shalom, Judges. Are you all there? Those that are going to go. Judges 21, verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Sounds like bedtime, doesn't it? Come on now. Work with me here. So let me, let me give you a little history. And says, in the last verse of the book of Judges, it tells us what kind of time it was in Israel. This is what we're reading here. It was a very difficult time in the history of God's people. As we read the book, we find that due to lack of unity and leadership, the nation fell into a cycle of um, oppression, re- uh, it needed repentance, it needed deliverance, then this apostasy and the cycle repeated itself over and over again. So they found themselves in sin, they found themselves falling away from God, and then they would repent, and then they'd go back to needing God and falling away, and then they'd repent this cycle of falling away and coming back and falling away and coming back. So we're in this place of falling away, and then uh, Judges, so we're, we've read, that was the very last verse in Judges. So let's back way back up to Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. 
It says, the Lord of Israel did what was evil. No, back up. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. Sounds like a pretty frustrating time for them, doesn't it? For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels would not be counted. So they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was, bought very, was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. So they were brought low and they cried out for help to the Lord. What's interesting, what I find in this cycle is even in our sin, even in our own destruction, when we cry out to the Lord, he will come for our aid. He will come and help us. So here we find Israel under the oppression of the Midianites. They were forced to hide in caves. The Midianites took all their food, tools, and livestock. It was during this time of oppression that Israel cried for deliverance. So God called somebody to their deliverance. He called Gideon to deliver them. By faith, Gideon, he erected an altar to this Jehovah Shalom, an expectation of victory and peace. So let's look at Judges, just a few more verses over. Chapter 6, verse 24, it says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace, or Jehovah Shalom. <laughs> to this day, it stands at Oprah, no, Ophrah, which belongs to the big word. Let's look at the meaning of Jehovah Shalom. The basic definition of the word shalom is harmony or reconciliation of relationship based on the compilation or completion of a transaction. It's the payment of debt or the giving of satisfaction. Huh. Shalom, it's translated peace 170 times. Peace expresses the deepest desire and need of the human heart. It represents the greatest measure of contentment and satisfaction in life. It is the word used in peace offering, where blood was shed as an atonement on which reconciliation and peace were based. The person of Jehovah is our peace. Jehovah is sensitive to the needs and sorrows of his children. Exodus 3, 7, the Lord said, I have surely been or seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. Masters, I know their sufferings. Then Judges, we've been in Judges chapter 6, fast forward Judges chapter 10, verse 16. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and he became, and he became impatient over the misery of, misery of Israel. Some translations say, and his soul was grieved over the misery of Israel. We've got this idea that Joseph, or Jehovah, I don't know where Joseph just came from, Jehovah has a desire to give us peace. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. What's really interesting is they wouldn't find the, the, the fruition or the completion of this prophecy till many years. They're in captivity. They're in exile and captivity. And the prophet comes to them and says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and I hope Psalm 29, 11, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with 
peace. Peace is a blessing. Amen? Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. I talked about this just a few minutes ago. The very presence of God or Jehovah is one of peace. This is why Gideon asked the question in Judges 6.13, this. Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, given us into the hands of Midian. There was no peace in Israel because Joseph's presence, or Jehovah, I don't know why I do that. Jehovah's presence was not there. Jehovah abides with those who abide with him. Second Chronicles 15.2. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with me. If you seek him, you will be found, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. It makes me think of that scripture that says, If you deny me before, my bro- or before your brothers or your, deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. If you confess me before man, I will confess you before my father. We must know Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who saved. I got some pages out of order. That's okay. It still fits. We must know this Jehovah Shalom. Oh, no, we don't. I got it right. We must know Jehovah Makedesh. Remember the one before? Jehovah who sanctifies us. Before we can know Jehovah Shalom. Wow. For God only gives his peace to those who are righteous before him. So you need peace in your life. You need to know God. You need him in your life. Isaiah 26, 2 through 4 says, Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter it. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Jesus is our Jehovah Shalom. Jesus is the supplier of peace to the Christian. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Going on to John 16, 33, it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world. In him, you will have peace. In the world, we have tribulation, right? But in him, we have peace. Why? He's overcome the world. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me. Key words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I'm almost done with this. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us is born, a child is born. For unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Through his death, Jesus provides us our peace. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is huge. The measure of peace that we have in him 
the measure of our peace is determined by our trust in Him. Trust is pretty powerful in this walk that we've got because if we don't trust what He says He would do, we find ourselves in turmoil. Trust that He would provide. Trust that He would heal. Trust that He would intervene. All these things can tell us a lot about where we are on how we respond. If we're not having peace in a certain area in our lives, maybe it's time to figure out why we're not trusting God to intervene in those areas in our lives. And listen, trusting Him means that even if, even if the outcome isn't what I want it to be, I will not let it affect my joy because I trust Him with my life. Years ago, I, I uh, preached a funeral. It was actually one of the very first funerals I ever did by myself. Generally, I'd, I'd done a couple before, but I had done them with my dad. Um, but this was the very first one I ever did by myself completely, from meeting with the family to putting everything together. I didn't know this family. I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know the person I did the funeral for. It was actually a, a young man that had um, a self-inflicted gunshot wound. You understand what I'm saying? And that wound had me on scene, and uh, I wound up preaching his funeral to a family that knew God not. No concept of faith in God whatsoever. And one of the things that brought me peace, it, it, I don't know that it brought the family peace because I couldn't tell you, I wasn't judge, I couldn't tell you the outcome, what, what his eternity looked like. That wasn't my, my place, it wasn't I wasn't there to even suggest or bring that up. But one of the things that uh, really spoke to me very clearly in preparing for that and really what speaks to us in trusting God with the outcome of our lives is there is a scripture. This is a sidebar from my notes. There is a scripture that says, better is the day of our death than the day of our birth. Why? Because there comes a point when we transition from, even though we're asking God, bring heaven here, let us experience the benefits of eternity while we still walk this earth. There still is a transition that comes, away, comes our way where we do walk from the pain of this earth, the turmoil of this earth, and the, in, the fact that our bodies do decay on this earth to the, the place of eternity with perfection with God. So better is the day that I die. So at some point, I've got to rely on my trust in God, knowing no matter what this world brings me, no matter what the circumstances throw at me, no matter what might come to me on this planet, there is an end to this, and I trust God through it. Amen? But He is, Jesus is our peace. And the measure of peace that we have in him is determined by our trust. Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, listen to this. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. My next point in this says the peace of God comes through spiritual mindedness. Romans 8, 6 says, for set your mind 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Peace is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We read that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, there is no peace besides that which we can come by way of Christ. There is no other way. When we have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, he becomes our Jehovah Shalom, the one who brings the peace that passes all understanding. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts. But also in the area of support, if you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. Dot com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I dot com and click on the give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.